This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths. Enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. What is love? To give and never to ask. What leads to this love? Grace. What leads to this grace? Grace is not cheaply bought. It is gained by being always ready to serve and reluctant to be served. There are many points which lead to this grace. Wishing well for others at the cost of oneself. Never backbiting. Tolerance supreme. Trying not to worry. Trying not to worry is almost impossible, so try. Thinking more of the good points in others and less of their bad points. What leads to this grace? Doing all of the above. If you do one of these things perfectly, the rest must follow. Then grace descends. Have love, and when you have love, the union with the beloved is certain. From Mayor Baba on Love. Valeria interviews Maria Ojia, She believes in trust and faith. She trusts that everything happens for a reason, and her faith is that all is well and always will be. It was in college when she adopted this mindset that her life took the direction that led her to where she is now, away from med school, family, security, and safety. At a young age, she accepted an arranged marriage, becoming a stepmom to a 12-year-old autistic boy. It was only after her first son was born that her life took form and became stable. Maria was fortunate to work with a psychic who told her that she could see in her visions. Standing right behind Maria, a long line of people, of tribes, who were hurting and in pain. Maria comes from the Zoroastrian faith, one of the oldest religions in the world. Zoroastrians were discriminated against even to this day. But the history of torture and murder goes back thousands of years. Forced to either revert to the Muslim faith or be slaughtered if reluctant, the Zoroastrians were executed for their simple belief system of good thoughts, good words, and good deeds. Maria had unknowingly been carrying this ancestral trauma all her life. This and her life circumstances led her on the path of healing. She delved into the world of yoga, shamanism, flower essences, Reiki, Louise Hay, Ho Oponopono, and Mayor Baba. Maria was coined Mother Love by a saintly hero of India, carrying with him an unending love from beyond, which sparked Maria's inner journey. Maria feels certain there is a higher purpose to her calling, and every climb and every peak has been a wonderful awakening. She envisions love that can be seen and then spread throughout the world. Love for oneself. Love for family. Love for all that is divine. Contact Maria at drew at sggmedia.us or call at 646-889-1259. 
you can also visit mayorcenter.org. Here's the interview with Maria Ojia. In your own words, who is Maria Ojia? Um, I'm a mere mortal <laughs> living my life and I'm trying my best, doing my best and kind of trying to keep God in the uh, background, I guess, of my being and my thoughts and my intentions. What is your understanding and idea of God, Maria? Well, Baba, <laughs> so there's, um, I grew up in a family um, of followers of uh, Meher Baba, who um, I guess I'll just go off on kind of talking about who he was and a little bit of his background. So um, Meher Baba was born... Um, as Marwan Shariari Rani in Pune, India in 1894. He was the son of Zoroastrian parents. When he was 19 and a college student, he was made aware of his destiny as the avatar of the age by Hazrat Babajan, the first of his five perfect masters. The life that followed that revelation was spent in service to mankind, much of it in silence, as Meher Baba ceased to speak in 1925, communicating thereafter by alphabet board and then by a unique system of hand gestures. He came, he said, not to teach, but to awaken, to give a push to all of creation toward its goal of union with God. Meher Baba traveled a great deal during his lifetime throughout India, Europe, Australia, and the United States. People flocked to him, some to receive a moment of inspiration, some to spend the rest of their lives in his company. All of them were touched by the love that emanated from him and by the compassion and understanding that brought his early disciples to call him Meher Baba, which means compassionate father. Meher Baba has asserted that he is the same ancient one come again to redeem man from his bondage of ignorance and to guide him to realize his true self, which is God. He is acknowledged by his many followers all over the world as the avatar of the age. Meher Baba said, I had come and I have come. I had to come and I have come. I am the ancient one. Although he dropped his body in 1969, Meher Baba remains active and ever accessible to all who seek him. How do we learn to awaken without teaching? Have you had some insights into that, Maria? I, I just, I'm assuming what he means by that is, um, like he lived his life in, in love, you know? Um, so he, he did share a lot of knowledge, um, but the life he lived was one of service and, um, one of complete, I mean, like he, um, what did he do? He, um, let me see here. He did a lot of service anyways to like lepers and, um, the poor and pretty much just lived his entire life 
service of mankind. Um, so I think that's what he means. I heard something recently. It was really powerful. Something along the lines that justice or morality, ethics, really come from the recognition of seeing in you and others. Because, you know, there's a lot of that fight happening in our reality about social rights, um, human rights, all kinds of rights in, in the realm of justice. But it's really, really going deeper than that in being able to see you ourselves in everything. That just changes the whole perception of what life is. And not, as we talked um, briefly off record, not everyone is ready to, uh, as we can see in this reality, to awaken to that truth. So I have a question for you about Mehe Baba. How did you discover his teachings? Actually, did you have encounters with his disciples or did you go to India? Yeah, all that. <laughs> yeah, all that. Okay, good. <laughs> My grandpa was, um, remember Meher Baba had a school um, for young boys that he um, had established in India. And my grandpa had gone to his school and um, he he actually became, I, you know, when I saw, my grandpa was living in Iran and he would come to visit. And when he did, um, he was one of the most unique people I've ever met. Um, he was just uh I think he, when he went to Baba's school, he that was kind of like the seed of love had, you know, been planted, and he had just, um, I just remember him saying all the time to anybody he met, "You are God. Um, everyone is God. Uh, God is love." You know, like that was like his mantra. He was kind of just so in it, and um, yeah, and he was he, he had some you know things to do <laughs> I understand or oh, oh, get the information the inspiration you are God why do you think so many of us human beings have a hard time understanding that or realizing that truth well it's all part of it's all part of what God wants I think you know it's like Hitler was still God, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's all part of the plan. It's all part of um, the creation. We kind of have to experience darkness to see light. Um, to We have to experience it all. So I think everyone's kind of at a different stage, but it all kind of flows how it's meant to. Um, so, yeah, we're all just at different stages, I think, um, some more than others. and. And that's totally okay. And that, you know, those people that don't um, even believe in God might help the ones that do. And, you know, it just, it all is very interwoven. Yeah. Everything is interconnected, right? There's no separation. I see that. Sometimes I see it as some of these, let's say, the dark side of God is <laughs> to mm. awaken 
the other side of us, which is the compassion side of us, the loving side, the understanding, the non-judgmental, which it, it is unconditional love, ultimately, that's mm-hmm. what it really resonates energetically to me, intellectually and energetically. This is all about unconditional love. So that would make sense that even looking at the darkness that appears to be dark, but it's just um, part of the unconditional love lesson mm-hmm. or beingness or nature. So some of us are able to see that and some don't. Mm. Not yet. As you said, we are at different stages when it comes to that kind of evolution. I love your bio. You begin saying she believes in trust and faith. She trusts that everything happens for a reason. And her faith is that all is well and always will be. Mm. So I use the word trust a lot. I trust, I trust, but I, I rarely use faith. What is the difference, Maria, between trust and faith? Yeah, that's the interesting thing is like uh, religions kind of have turned people away. And yeah. um, I don't, you know, there's, I guess, the reasons for that. <laughs> the, um, but yeah, I kind of, I find them to be the same thing um, because if you have the the trust in life, it's mine is backed up by my faith also of yeah. um, like you know God's kind of taking care of me and yeah. you know all that kind of thing. And speaking of um, religion or faith or spiritual path in that sense, your bio says Maria comes from the. Zoroastrian faith. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But talk to me about the, this faith, Zoroastrian, the history and also the impact it had in your life. You call it ancestral trauma. Yeah, Zoroastrians, um, they're one of the oldest religions in the world. And um, there's very few left in the world, and from luckily I was born in the United States, but uh, my relatives in Iran, the stories I've heard from them, it seemed very similar to, you know, like African Americans here and kind of the discrimination and the uh, abuse and, you know, all the things that they experienced, it seemed very similar. Um, to what my relatives, even, you know, like my uncles, back a little bit when they were, you know, kids, maybe they had experience. So it wasn't, it's kind of, it's still not gone. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So there's just been a lot of um, trauma. And and so that's something that I recently became aware of um, when I worked with a, a psychic that she said, she, she saw rows of just like a herd of people behind me with like just in sorrow. Um, yeah. And I, I, I believe because yeah, they've gone through so much and it stays in our body. Right. You've done a lot of work, healing work, yoga, shamanism, flower essence, Reiki, Louise Hay, Ho'oponopono, and then of course, Mehid Baba. So I'd love to 
know a little bit more about flower essence because that's you are a flower essence practitioner, so in yogi and um, and a follower of Meher Baba. So I would love to hear. I'll, I'll, we'll talk in a moment a little bit more about him because I have not a little bit, perhaps a lot more. <laughs> but mm-hmm. before that, what is flower essence? What is this practice? I would love to understand more. Yeah, so flower essences, um, they're uh, a healing modality that um, my teacher would call soul medicine. Um, So it's kind of with the basis of the understanding that we're all energy and vibration and kind of... what kind of gets us out of alignment is the dramas or the chakras being out of balance or um, there's something that's happened to us. So it, it gets us kind of out of whack and affects us. And so the flower essences, they, they found that um, the specific, there's like specific flowers and plants that have a specific vibration to them. And nature is kind of, nature is where we came from. It's like kind of the purest um, energy. And so, yeah, there's this, this um, healing modality has um, taken the the essence of the flower and by slowly um, taking it over a period of time, the vibration of that flower is meant to um, heal your deepest kind of wounds and and chakras. Is that similar to essential oils? Mm, Not quite because essential, I'm a, yeah, I love essential oils. They're, they kind of have their own thing. Um, They're more, I would say they're not quite because the flower senses you're in, you know, you're actually eating, you're drinking it. Um, yeah, I never heard. It sounds really beautiful because flowers are beautiful. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of the transmission that we talked earlier about again. That So they transmit their energies into our bodies. That mm-hmm. sounds really beautiful. I'll look into it a little bit more in my area. Mm-hmm. I'd love mm-hmm. to explore that more. It has to be in person or do you somehow work with your clients or the people that you heal through flower essence? Remotely, um, yeah, that's something that you can do remotely. Um, it's kind of like you know, like therapy. So you like you know talk, and then you can send over the essence um, via mail. And yeah, yeah. So that sounds good. Good to know <laughs> as as an information. So going back to Mehe Bab, um, you shared some passages in one of his books. There's so much here, but it starts, what is love? And then the answer, to give and never to ask. What leads to this love? Grace. So, and then what leads to this grace? Talk to me for a moment about grace from his perspective, Maria. Grace. I feel like it's one of those things that um, only he can give. It's like we, uh, 
we can do our best and, and try and love God, but we kind of need his help, um, for, I guess, final nudge <laughs> into like really getting to become God realized, um, or like truly, cause we can, we can try, we try, we try, we try, but I think we always kind of, it's, it's hard. <laughs> so, um, just asking and always remembering kind of the important things, um, and hope and just kind of, yeah, hopefully he'll give us hope. I think it's just his help. Grace in a sense, then comes from the inspiration of knowing the truth and then the willingness to practice, <laughs> to put into, into practice and really make an effort to bring uh, that flavor to this reality, to our day-to-day lives. That's, I'm translating your words and his words into that. Mm-hmm. I love the way, speaking of trying, he writes, try not to worry Try not to worry is almost impossible. So try. <laughs> so try anyway. <laughs> right. Try anyway. Yeah. Yeah, right. Oh my God. It's just made me think so many things here that I'm still trying. Uh, one of the yeah. most challenging for me, trying, it's trying to communicate the truth with kindness. That has mm-hmm. been one of my biggest practice. Being true to me, whatever's true to me, I find that it's such a paradox that knowing the truth doesn't really necessarily grant us the true living, per se, mm-hmm. or living that's based, that's faithful to the truth. So is that something that we, in this trying, would you say that even forgiving ourselves and accepting the trying and not succeeding. It's also part of that path of trying. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I've had uh, throughout my life, I've made mistakes. I would, you know, whatever you could call a mistake. I would, the things I'm not proud of and things that um, I'm like, looking back and I can't believe I did that. (laughs) And like, I know it was bad, but it still happened. And so, um, you know, I tried my best, but yeah, it's one of those things where, um, I think it, I think it was meant to be, (laughs) you know, like it was meant to happen and I can, kind of forgive myself and it was a lesson just that needed to be learned and it, you know it really did happen how it was meant to so it's hard to look at those moments and think that uh, like they, God actually wanted me to go through that <laughs> <laughs> yes um, right and and to think like oh gosh I you know that wasn't at all what Baba would want but it I don't know. It's all, yeah, I think it's okay. <laughs> yeah, the more I think about it, um, if I think with the heart, of course, because the mind will never understand that, uh, the intellectual mind, is um, 
it's almost like a practice of God being God, which mm-hmm. is through the human experience, which is being open unconditionally to everything that happens, especially the things we do as humans, being open to that experience, being imperfect. And that's okay. Because yeah. so it's, it is a practice of unconditional love. That's how I see it. And that makes sense because that would be God experiencing itself. Because mm-hmm. how it couldn't be different, experience itself through the human body or the human body mind complex. So that really, every time I hear it, it, it really resonates true. Mm-hmm. What a journey, huh? It's like, what, a, <laughs> what how come? <laughs> and then, you know, I have questioned so much this, this journey of experiencing perfection to seeing perfection in imperfection that. And the ultimate question was why it has to be. Why God is just perfect already? Why does it have to play the game of imperfection? <laughs> and why do we have to be aware of this? Of this, if it is a dream, why do we have to dream this dream? Why do we have to experience all this? Be just forgetting that we are God. So going through all these these roads and paths and then finding itself again. The closest answer that kind of satisfied in a way that question from the intellect is that why not? Why not? Mm-hmm. It's, it would be if God has all the power to be whatever it wants to be, then it would be nothing, just nothingness or light, pure light, or pure darkness, or this, <laughs> what we call life. So I don't know if that makes sense to you, Maria, but that's where I'm at now, I guess. I like that. Yeah. It's like the question of life. Why are we here? Yes. (laughs) Right. That was my, I was very young when I asked that question. What is Mm. this? (laughs) What is this? Not even was like, why am I here? I remember not having the me in there, but why this? What is all this? And then little by little, it's, uh, it became just what it is now. It's a very interesting mm-hmm. perspective, but it's still, ah, it's still that practice, that trying from the perspective of a body-mind, the conditioned body-mind. They seem to be conditioned by nature. Uh, yeah. There's something else that he says in the book, trying or oh, thinking more of the good points in others and less of their bad points. Mm-hmm. That's such a powerful practice too. Even uh, that's from the perspective of the conditions of mind and body. So you see so so much of injustice and, you know, and unpleasant things happening and even traits and characteristics in other people around us. And then it's so easy to judge and and focus on the the bad points, as he said. Is that a practice that you engage in on a day-to-day basis, Maria? Seeing the good points, as he says. I try. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not perfect at all. But it's, yeah, it's helpful just to like, this is a guide, you know, and you just do your best and then give, give it all to him. <laughs> yeah. Ah, in a way, even the trying becomes something that's not me trying. There's no... No one here to try anything, but God's energy and 
God's in this through the conditioned body mind doing what it's supposed to to do. You see, that's trust. That takes a lot of trust, doesn't it? From mm. from the the part of us that wants to control the experience and and feel and feels bad when it tries and it doesn't succeed. So I love that. I love the message of trust. That's one of the most, to me, the most inspiring ones, because we have lost trust. We have forgotten who we are, God itself, and then we are also, some of us who have realized that, are still working on trusting <laughs> that realization. So what a beautiful, even idea to contemplate in this moment that we all try with grace. He's also said on one of, this again is from Mehis Baba's book, one of his books. I don't have the title of the book here. Do you actually have the title of the, of the book where these passages came from, Maria, or it's okay? That's actually from, I got it from a website. They, lots of his messages are on the website. I can send you the website. Okay. So I can add the um, books. Uh, it doesn't really, I mean, his words, uh, they speak the truth. So we don't really need a reference, right, when it comes to that. It might be good for those who wanted to read more about him. So they might look for the specific book. He also says, love is pure as God. It gives and never asks. That needs grace. Oh, for that needs grace. That needs grace. Uh, love is pure as God, it gives and never asks. Wow, that's another practice, isn't it? Um, yeah. To yeah. give and never <laughs> ask anything in return. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a expert here that's um, how to love God. Um, and it's got kind of, do you want me to read it? Yes, please. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um To love God in the most practical way is to love our fellow beings. If we feel for others in the same way as we feel for our own dear ones, we love God. If instead of seeing faults in others, we look within ourselves, we are loving God. If instead of robbing others to help ourselves, we rob ourselves to help others, we are loving God. If we suffer in the sufferings of others and feel happy in the happiness of others, we are loving God. If instead of worrying over our own misfortunes, we think of ourselves as more fortunate than many, many others, we are loving God. If we endure our lot with patience and contentment, accepting it as his will, we are loving God. If we understand and feel that the greatest act of devotion and worship to God is not to hurt or harm any of his beings, we are loving God. To love God as he ought to be loved, we must live for God and die for God, knowing that The goal of life is to love God and find him as our own true self. Um, Yeah, one of the hardest ones I found was if we endure our lot with patience and content and accepting it as his will, we are living God because, you know, we all have our families that drive us. (laughs) Yes, crazy. Crazy. You can say that. (laughs) Both of us the same word. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. that's, I think, a big struggle. But yeah, in the end, I think they're there to help us and grow. And, oh, if you can, you know, really, I think there's so much growth that goes with that. And to not leave them, I think that's a lot of people I know that just, you know, they go to, they have a, 
I've heard of, you know, people that have um, a spouse and a child and then they all of a sudden think, oh, I want to go to an ashram. And so they up and leave. And um, that, I don't know. <laughs> it's not quite uh, where the growth is happening. It's their path, of course, but it's not exactly, um, I guess, what Baba would say is, you know, loving God. And it's kind of the easy way out in a lot of ways. Right, right. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I... I heard you, you read the passage and you said many times, loving God, you're loving God. And at some point I heard living God, you are living God, you are a living God. So it's almost like to my ears, it changed slightly the word, which meant the Uh, same, loving God and living, you are a living God. And not just loving God, of course, is one and the same. <laughs> There's no difference. But yeah. for some wow. reason, I heard uh, you are a living God, if you do. Do you have another passage, Maria, to read from Mihaez Baba? I hope I pronounced his name correctly. I guess uh, this is Baba's universal message. Um, I can read. Okay. I have come not to teach, but to awaken, understand therefore that I lay down no precepts. Throughout eternity, I have laid down principles and precepts, but mankind has ignored them. Man's inability to live God's words makes the avatar's teaching a mockery. Instead of practicing the compassion he taught, man has waged crusades in his name. Instead of living the humility, purity, and truth of his words, man has given way to hatred, greed, and violence. Because man has been deaf to the principles and precepts laid down by God in the past, in this present avataric form I observe silence. You have asked for and been given enough words, it is now time to live them. To get nearer and nearer to God, you have to get further and further away from I, my, me, and mine. You have have not to renounce anything but your own self. It is as simple as that, though found to be almost impossible. It is possible for you to renounce your limited self by my grace. I have come to release that grace. I repeat, I lay down no precepts when I release the tide of truth which I have come to give. Men's daily lives will be the living precept. The the words I have not spoken will come to life in them. I veil myself from man by his own curtain of ignorance and manifest my glory to a few. My present avataric form is the last incarnation in this cycle of time. Hence, my manifestation will be the greatest. When I break my silence, the impact of my love will be universal and all life and creation will know, feel, and receive of it. It will help every individual to break himself free from his bondage in his own way. I am the divine beloved who loves you more than you can ever love yourself. The breaking of my silence will help you to help yourself in knowing your real self. All this world, confusion and chaos was inevitable, and no one is to blame. What had to happen has happened, and what has to happen will happen. There was and is no way out except through my coming in your midst. I had to come, and I have come. I am the Ancient One. Yeah, it's almost like uh, I love the way it talks about silence. Because it's almost the only way we can express 
God, really express God. It's through silence. And then if we break the silence, that will be through service, compassion. Yes, thank you so much, Maria, for the, this beautiful inspiration today. There's a, I have a book here. It's a reminder for myself. I'm turning my, it's called Returning to Silence. I always keep it there. I think it's, it's a Zen, from a Zen Buddhist monk. It, that's like the, the first book you, you might see when you, you walk in, the, in this space that I created for this. It's this book, mm. <laughs> the, the cover, because it reminds me <laughs> to return to silence. Ah, and then I go back to trying to return to silence, really. Is <laughs> that trying again and trying again over and over and over and over again. That's the dance, isn't it? It's the dance of trying. Hmm. Yeah. Just do your best. Yes, right. That's all we can do. Right, right. You know, as long, I really trust that, as long as we know that we are coming from that place of love, then it's okay. It really, it keeps telling, something in me keeps saying that it's okay. Even trying and not succeeding and not getting where the body, mind, conditioned body, mind wants to get, which really is coming from somebody. It's the sense of self mm-hmm. that feels guilty, that shameful, whatever it is. There's a lot of, a lot of heaviness there. So, and I know it's coming from that constructed idea of who I am. And so that's why a lot of times I just keep trying and keep smiling with that, that grounded intention. You might, I might say intention, but it, it's really the ground of love. So it is established in that. Something in me, it's always, something in this really, not me. It's established in that, which is even beautiful to contemplate when I see itself doing that because I try not to attach to it in any way. I just see it's just happening. Like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> it's just doing what it does. <laughs> My last, uh, I have a few more questions for you. I'll ask you this one. What is freedom to you? Like, we talked a lot about so many things now. I mean, ultimately, we talked about silence and unconditional love, being God itself. But if you were to rephrase, somehow um, express it differently, how would you answer that question of freedom? What is freedom? I guess following your heart and um, like being true to yourself. And that's been, oh my gosh, the, <laughs> that's been my life journey. Um, and it still is when you grow up with um, parents that kind of dictate <laughs> everything for you. It's quite a challenge to break free from that and learn to listen to your your intuition. So that's really been my challenge throughout my life. Um, so to um, I've had to I've had to learn how to do that. So really being um, listening to your body. I think our body holds a lot of wisdom, and so um, that's one of, been one of the practices that have helped me the most um, is just uh, kind of quieting the mind and just sensing into your heart space, your throat space, your belly space um, and seeing kind of what's there and uh, just feeling into it. And and there's a lot of answers that can kind of come by just feeling into the sensations. And um, and so the, that can that can be a catalyst or one mode of 
touching into your intuition and what's there. And so if you, uh, yeah, I think if you're in touch with that and you're able to access that and really live, live that and put, do follow that, um, then I think that seems like a good freedom. I can relate to that too, Maria. All the traumas from the past and the body, it's just, it's holding so much of that. It's still here. Or maybe not so much these days, but it has been that way. So I do understand. That's a beautiful practice. Is that something that you also teach others to do through the the practices that you engage in with others these days? Um, That was a training I did. Um, It's called Focusing. Um, have you heard of focusing? I have heard not from any guests, but I have read about yeah. it. I have yeah. Read it. Yeah. It's a method that, um, therapists can kind of, it's more geared towards like therapy. And, um, I found it to be the most helpful, like besides a normal therapist, like if they also had learned focusing, it's like a two year program and, um, it, it you know, like a whole process on how learning how to guide people into this method and also doing it yourself. So, um, yeah, I've kind of incorporated into, it's really something that's really everybody should do and you can kind of fit it into anything. Right. Anything. I like that. Uh, integrated into, um, everything that we do, including our thoughts, <laughs> not just things, actions. What's the best place, the best way to get in touch with you? Are you planning to have a website? I don't have your website here. Talk to me about that, Maria. Um, yeah, probably email would be best. I still am, I'm not quite an established, like, anything yet. <laughs> um I'm still getting my practice and my life together and kind of figuring out exactly what direction to go. So, um, yeah, I, I think more so, I think, um, yeah, just a website that I feel like Baba is kind of like the biggest message here. (laughs) So, um, just, I can give like a website for people to learn more about Baba if they want. Um, yes, please. Yeah. Yeah, if they want to reach out to me for whatever reason, they can uh, via email. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to thank you again for your presence, for your beautiful heart-centered intention and everything else in between that could be felt today. Thank you. Thank you. Take good care of your beautiful self and we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Maria Ojia and her work, please visit drew at sggmedia.us or 646-889-1259. You can also visit mayorcenter.org. That's M-E-H-E-R center.org. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.